Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Sunrise on this beautiful Labor Day weekend. Welcome to those of you who are in the service with us. Welcome to you also, those of you who are away on vacation or snuggled in your beds, um, on your couches, in the air conditioning. Welcome to you, those of you who are online as well. It's good to be here. Um, just got to together to worship God today. Um, we're going to start things off with a song, You Came. I don't think we've done this in a little bit, it's been. I want you guys to go ahead and stand um, as we get prepared to sing. Uh, for those of you who are new-ish to Sunrise, um, it may be helpful to explain a little bit about this song. Um, this song it comes out of the book of John where Jesus is visiting his uh, his friends and he heard that his good friend Lazarus um, had passed away. And he came and uh, spoke and Lazarus came out of the grave and he was alive. So this song is kind of sung from his viewpoint, um, and it's, it may feel a little bit weird for us to sing those words, but I think it's helpful for us to say what Jesus has done for us. You know, we, when we were dead to sin, Jesus came and saved us and brought us out of that sinful life, um, and he is there constantly pursuing us and loving us and drawing us to him. Um, he is a miracle working God. Um, I think we all can attest to that. The things he's done in each of our own lives and brought us over the uh, other things in the past to where we are now. So let's sing this song as believe these words this morning and enter into worship. Let's sing together.
thoughts that have been on my heart this week about this song. Um, King of My Heart. It's also been a bit since we've sung this song. Um, but after we first introduced it several years ago, I do remember hearing from a couple people that the bridge of this song was a little bit difficult to sing at times. Um, it's basically just one phrase that's repeated over and over again, but you're never going to let, you're never going to let me down. And some people just had an issue with that line, just how circumstances come up in life and you're disappointed and things happen. Um, but I came across actually this this article that I read, this blog post um, that kind of got me thinking of a different way of thinking about that song or about that part of that song. Um, this person just had to say uh, that people tend to think about this spot that as a, a claim that God is my king and I won't ever be disappointed with him. And then kind of be a, a difficult place to put yourself in and this person said, rather, pull yourself away from that, that way of thinking um, about God letting us down, but rather challenge yourself to trust that God is present in whatever you may be facing and sustaining us in the midst of our doubt, in the midst of our frustration, in the midst of our pain. So try to flip the mindset into how God is sustaining us. He's never letting us down, but He's pulling us through. Um, and uh, we've sung already, but we'll sing as well in this last song of the service about God's promises in our life that we read throughout Scripture that He is faithful, that He is kind, that He is good. He is never changing. Um, he doesn't change His mind. He is always out for our good, pursuing us, loving us. So think of it that way, that God is never letting us down. He's always pulling us through those hard times, those good times, whatever may lay ahead. He is sustaining us for that. So Let's sing this song, King of My Heart. Let the King of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from. Oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life. Oh, he is my song. You are good. You're good. Oh, you are good. You're good. Oh. King of my heart. 
like Dan said, even when we go through times in our life where we forget that they're true or we think they're not, we feel like they're not, thank, thank you for your faithfulness through our lives, through the lives before us, through all time, God. And even when we don't feel that way, help us to remember that truth. Help us to come to you with our questions, with our doubts, with our joys, with everything, to still come to you and talk to you. Thank you that you're big enough for all of our worries. Thank you that we can't change who you are. We can't change your goodness and your faithfulness, your steadfastness, God.
open our eyes to see how you're at work and that even when we think things aren't going the right way, that you have such a bigger plan, God. And even when things may seem like they're falling apart, you have a plan and you are in control, God. We see that in scripture and help us to see that in our own lives. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your character. Help us to hear from you this morning just to learn more about who you are and to see that all throughout our days and our week ahead. We love you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Good morning. Welcome to Sunrise. If you are new here, whether you are watching online or in person, we have a connection card we'd love for you to fill out so we can get to know you better. You can use the QR code on the front of the chairs on the chairs in front of you, or you can click the link on Facebook there where you're watching. Um, we have a few announcements. Next week is fall kickoff, which I'm very excited about. So this is a chance for you to come. We're going to have things set up for you to sign up to get involved, sign up to volunteer, and just know about the ministries that are um, coming this fall. Sunrise students, we are, you guys are having your kickoff on September 15th, right here from 6.30 to 8. And if you have kids in fifth grade or below, Penny has sent out, um, she's put it on Facebook. It's also in the email that went out this morning at 8 o'clock. So it's, it's there on that email. Please re-register your kids. It's been a while since we've gotten updated information on everyone. Some people kind of went in and changed their kids' grades last year. Some people didn't. So we need updated information for everybody. So whether you've been here since your kids were born or um, are brand new, please go ahead and fill out that form. Um, And we would appreciate that. And that's all I have. Dan's going to come talk to us about the goodness of God this morning. Good morning, everybody. How many of you have enjoyed watching the news lately with uh, everything going on in Afghanistan? You've got troops who have uh, been evacuated from there. Um, We saw, if we watched the news, some of the military personnel who were there being uh, solemnly transported into a van to be laid to rest at home uh, with their families. I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but there was a bit of a storm that hit Louisiana, southern part of the United States. Uh, There are all kinds of arguments happening over what we should or should not be doing on an international scale, what we should or should not be doing uh, to take care of the economy here, and there's just all kinds of emotions that go into it. And it's not even just out there and far away. I mean, in our own West Michigan, we have people who are protesting decisions of county leaders. Uh, We have people who are no longer talking to each other because of a difference of opinion on things that a few years ago were not important, and yet now they are extremely important. And yet in the midst of all of this, we come together and we sing songs like, God is good. (laughs) Any of you feel some of that internal tension there about how in the world can all of this be? If we have a God who is good, how do we handle this? How do we handle the loss of a job, 
of wrestling with all of our doubts. We're supposed to, in those moments where we just don't have the answers, cry out to a God who we believe and yet sometimes have a hard time seeing is good. And so we're going to talk about that. (laughs) I read a really great book written by Scott McKnight, and uh, the book is called Church Called Tov. Tov is a Hebrew word that uh, very nicely packs into it layers of meaning that we just can't pack into the word good. And so that's why we're going to kind of dust off that ancient Hebrew word or introduce to you for the first time this ancient Hebrew word called tov. And you've got these other words up here on the screen that kind of fill out for you what is packed into the word tov. If we want to be a church that is like God and we believe that God is good, then we must first understand what goodness looks like. And so what this word tov, or what we would say in English goodness is, is to be perfect, to be beautiful and good, to be a masterpiece, to be very well done, to be harmonious, to be complete. I got to tell you right now, it's really easy, and you guys know this too, it's really easy, and this is why Scott McKnight wrote this book, to see all of the scandals that have rocked the church, right? I mean, we've got pastors who have become so narcissistic in the way that they approach ministry that it's boiled everything down to their own brand and what they look like, and they step on the necks of the people around them who are supposed to be the sheep they care for in order to become the celebrity pastor they want to become. You guys have read all about this. And so if God is good, how do these things happen? (laughs) If a church is supposed to be good, and yet in the news what we find out about churches is that they are helping to cover up abuses of narcissistic leaders, or they are showing up at the funerals of soldiers who have died, and they are holding up signs protesting against these soldiers, and they are showing up and holding up signs that says, God hates homosexuals. People look at that, and they ask themselves the question, how can this church call itself a church and be good, and how in the world then can this God they claim to be good and loving be a good and loving God? And so Scott McKnight sees the same kinds of issues that we do and humbly steps forward to say there are some things that we can and should be doing differently. And so he starts at the very beginning of his book, and I'm not going to be preaching through each chapter of this book. I just found this book to be a place that becomes a great building point for some thoughts that are very scriptural, that can help us sort through the weeds and the the rocky roads of our own lives as we struggle to see the goodness of God, and to become a church that declares through who we are, what we say, and how we live that God is Now, before I jump into that too much, I want to ask you a question, and I want you guys to interact with me on this, okay? Kids, let me hear you for a second. Say hi to me. All right, good. You're out there. We'll start with the kids, and then we'll go to the adults, okay? Here's my question for you that I want you to think about and then give me a brief response to, okay? Kids, you're up first. Here's the question. When you think about a good friend or a good grandpa or a good teacher, what do you think of? Tell me. What does that good look like? 
Probably a red beard, right? What's that? Your what? Your BFF? Your best friend is good? Okay, what's one of the things you really appreciate about your BFF? He's coming over for a sleepover. Nice. So he's going to spend some time with just you. I like that. What else? Tell me something good. Your cousin? What's so good about your cousin? We won't say the name in case they're watching. So he's not selfish. He doesn't just do what he wants to do. He wants to do what you want to do too. Okay, let me hear one more. I know you're dying to tell me. Come on, kids. What's something good about a friend or a grandpa or a grandma or a pet? We've got all day. Okay. Okay, so your good friend, when there are problems, you work to understand each other to work through the problem, right? Is that what you're saying? Okay. Adults, it's your turn. When you think about someone who is good, whether it's been an experience with an employer, an employee, someone who works for you, a neighbor, tell me what it is that when you see it or you've experienced it, you've said to yourself, that is good. Go ahead. A good listener. What did you say? Loyal, respectful, patient, what a, compassionate, loving, fun, yes, we got to have fun, present, all right, give me two more, selfless, what was the other one, forgiving, okay, those are pretty good things, see, we see goodness all around us, and It's good for us to know that when we see these good things in the world around us, they are expressions of what is tov, the kind of thing that we are talking about when we think about God, and the kinds of things that we should become as we want to become a church called by the world around us and by us who are in it, tov. Now, in the world around us, there's this quote here, and I don't remember where it came from, but it's a good one. In order to withstand discouraging circumstances, we need to develop the clear sense that God is out for our, you tell me what the word is? Good. We can do this by increasingly becoming aware of the blessings that attend our every moment. Last week, I couldn't be here because my back is trying to beat me up. And I laid in bed and did not in those moments think that life was good. I watched the news like you did of what's going on in Afghanistan, of people who are trying so desperately to leave a place that is not good for them that they held onto an airplane just long enough to make it up off the ground, but not long enough to be able to make it where they wanted to go. I know about, just like you do, a seven-hour meeting with county commissioners where people are expressing their frustrations about what it is that's going on in our world. And in the midst of all of that, 
we will lose our sense of God's goodness if we can't take the time to remind ourselves of the blessings that come in this life. When we think of the word tov, I want to kind of anchor in this morning to Matthew chapter 20. And I want to focus on two things. Number one, when we think about God being tov, we think about him being empathetic, someone who listens, someone who understands, someone who's willing to come and spend the night with you, someone who cares for you, empathetic. Number two, a God who is just. Now, hold on a second. (laughs) I know that we talk about being just and justice in our world today, and we think that that's a conversation that should be drop-kicked by the church into the world of politics because that becomes all about social issues. And I want to say to you, yes and, don't you dare kick that ball to the society around us. Listen closely enough to what's happening in this story to know what empathy looks like and what justice is so that we can see how God has expressed those things to us and how we can express those things to the world around us. Here we are in Matthew chapter 20 where Jesus tells this story that we call a parable because it's something that uh, peels back the layers of what's happening in this world enough for us to see what God is doing spiritually. Jesus says, for the kingdom of heaven, this is where God's full rule and reign exists. It's like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. And he agreed to pay them a day's wages. And here it's called a Daenerys for the day. And he sent them to his vineyard. Nice guy. He says, I got some work to do in my vineyard, my backyard. I know there are some people who need to come and do some work, so I'm going to go hire them. All of you high schoolers who are looking for that job are thinking, find me. So about nine in the morning... This guy goes out, and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went, and he went out again about noon, so three hours later, and about three in the afternoon, and did the same thing. So he's got waves of workers coming in to work in his vineyard, and he's told them, if you come and work for me, I will pay you what is right. The day goes on at about 5 in the afternoon. At 5 o'clock, we're all ready to go home. Or we've just been able to get done with our work enough to be almost in the driveway by 5 o'clock because we got out a little bit early. This employer goes out, and he found still others standing around, and he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? This question is not one of judgment, but it's, hey, there are things that you can be doing They say, because no one has hired us. They haven't found us to be people who are worth asking to work. And so he answers and says to them, you also, go work in my vineyard. It's been a long day. You've got people here at 9 o'clock in the morning who come and they're working. And at noon, they see more people coming in and they eat lunch sweaty and dirty with people who have come in and they still smell like Their deodorant instead of the dirt and the sweat that's all around these other folks. It becomes evening and there are more and more waves of people becoming more tired and more exhausted and more and more people coming in who are still clean and not exhausted. And so when the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. And so the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a day's wages. That's not fair. 
right? I mean, I've I worked construction for a while. I was a grunt worker. I mixed mud and carried brick. I cut brick on a huge saw that threw all kinds of dust into my face, and I was sweaty and exhausted pulling or pushing large wheelbarrows full of mud and having three different masons yelling at me, I need mud, I need brick. And all of a sudden, this person who has come in as I'm beginning to pack up the wheelbarrow, clean out the mixer, and my boss says, hey you, the guy who just walked on the job site, and all you did was sweep the face of the brick when everything was laid and all the work was done, here's a day's wages. He received a denarius. So pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired, going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came, and they each received a denarius. Being unfair to you, friend, didn't you agree to work for a denarius? I don't think, I think I missed some stuff there when I copied and pasted this. But the workers around complain. They say, look, we've been here for so long. We've, we woke up early. <laughs> we were the first ones you found. You've trusted us. As the new workers have come in, you've given us more responsibilities to make sure that they're doing the right things. And you're paying the people who came in just a full day's wages? You're going to pay us more, right? And yet as the paycheck handing out gets closer to the people who were there at 8 o'clock in the morning, they realize that there's not a change in the amount of pay. And in this, we see a picture of a God who is empathetic. See, each of these people who were invited to come work in the vineyard were people who were not seen as fit to be work for anyone else. And yet God sees them, and he recognizes that they are made to be productive and that they are a people who are worth partnering with. And he partners with them and he says to all of them, I will pay you not what it is that you have earned, but what is right. And so this landowner says to the folks who have worked with them, take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave to you, the person who's been here all along. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. And this is not how we work, right? I mean, if you're a student in school and you do a terrible job because you miss most of the classes for whatever reason, and yet it comes to the end of the year, you get to graduate, and all of your friends who've been working really hard to graduate as well also get to graduate. Or you're on a sports team, and uh, the player who got there at the very beginning of the season was team captain or was leading their section in the band extremely well, gets the accolades at the end of the year, they get first team All-State, whatever it is, but then so do the people who joined the team late. This isn't how it works, right? <laughs> this is not how our world operates. This is not how we down here look at things and call them just or good. 
So this prompts all kinds of questions for us and reminds us of a passage in Matthew chapter 5 where God tells us through Jesus that God makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and he sends rain on the righteous people who have done their good work for God and he makes sure that the ground of the people who have not done good enough for God stays dry and crackly and never produces as many tomatoes as God's people's tomatoes plants produce, right? No. We have a God who in his toveness, in his goodness, looks down at the way we have constructed what goodness is and says, that is not good enough. And so he begins to show us as we become in, as we join in relationship with him what goodness actually looks like. And in this story, we find that it is empathy. It is saying, no matter who you are, what you have done or not done, you still need rain on your grass. Your flowers still deserve to grow. <laughs> your animals still need water. We're told by Paul in Romans chapter 8 that all things work together for good, for the ultimate good. My hope in this point of our conversation is that you see that, yes, God is different. Jesus is painting a picture of a goodness that is different than what we know to be true. And this idea of goodness that Jesus presents, of someone who is empathetic toward Everyone who offers justice to those who are the early birds, those who are the latecomers. And it puts us back to the point at the very beginning of this conversation where we ask ourselves, how can all of these unjust things be happening in our world? How can all of these tragedies be happening and yet God is still good? I think the only answer to that question can be because, is because our idea of goodness is not the correct idea of who God is, and God's goodness in himself has to be shown to us in ways that we need to be able to see and notice. And so we have to ask for himself for help with that. One of the questions that I, the question that I asked you guys at the very beginning where you gave me some feedback, what are the things that you see in someone else, whether your grandparent or your friend, that you look at and you say, that is good? I did that this week and wrote down a list of things that I think are true of who God is. And I, I threw this list past some people who don't even believe in God. I threw this list to people who grew up in the church and believe that there is a God, but are completely disillusioned with the church because the church is not these things. And I asked them, what would you think about this if this is who God is? And I want to pose the same question to you. What if God is closer than anyone else? If he's more faithful than anyone else. When we think of someone being good, of God being the best expression of what it means to accept people, what if we were to say that God is more accepting than anyone else? Where he says to the person who is going to hand him over to people who would kill him, come and follow me. 
where he says to the woman who is caught in sin, you can follow me. You are, I will forgive you. He forgives more than anyone else. He's more truthful than anyone else. He will not back down and consider only how it is people will think of him if he were to declare the truth. It is the truth that he presents that leads Jesus to the cross. And he's more just than anyone else. To be just means to give everyone what it is that they need according to the highest definition of goodness. What if God is more freeing than anyone else? It is the truth that he gives us that will free all of us beyond more than anything else that we could cling on to or digest or look at or do that could ever free us. We serve a God who is better than anyone else. He fixes what is broken more than anyone else. This God came into a world of chaos And in that chaos created the world that we see and that we live in now. And he's come into the points of chaos in your life. And you can see and celebrate ways that he has fixed the things that are broken. He's more steady than anyone else. You can count on him. He's more creative than anyone else. Just look at your neighbors. He's more thoughtful than anyone else. He thinks about you in a way that he knows the number of hairs on your head. He thoughtfully crafted you and put you together according to the psalmist. He chose to love you before you were born. He's kinder than anyone else. Those moments in your life where you just need someone to be kind to you, to either sit with you and listen or to say the words that are encouraging to express kindness to you. Our God is the highest expression of kindness. He's more patient than anyone else. He befriends enemies more than anyone else. Are we okay with that? We often think that it's good to crush your enemies, to only stop attacking once there is complete and utter victory. It is a God who comes near to us in his goodness who says that we should love our enemies. And if he tells us to do this, he must also do it. God is more helpful than anyone else. He's more encouraging than anyone else. He is fairer than anyone else. And I don't mean fairer here in like the King James Version way of the prettiest. I mean fair. He's more patient than anyone else, more peaceful than anyone else. He is gentler than anyone else. He is more self-controlled than anyone else, more humble than anyone else, more loving than anyone else, more empathetic than anyone else, more sympathetic than anyone else. Most empathetic because he's been there before. Most sympathetic because though he may not have been in your exact situation, he can still look at it and his splachnan, his guts, can be moved to the point of tears like he was with Lazarus and his siblings. It is our God who is most effective in healing mental illness, physical illness, the pain of trauma and broken relationships. He is more accessible than anyone else. From no matter where we are, we can call out to him. He is more upset about injustice than anyone else. He is more heartbroken about loss than anyone else. He is more willing to enter pain than anyone else. And he is more courageous than anyone else. 
Church, if we read Scripture and we accumulate all of the things that Jesus tells us to do, what he calls out as the fruit of the Spirit, and we see that God is the highest expression of all of these things, we create a list like this that I think begins to push against how it is we view our God and even how it is we think we should be living and operating in our world. Are we okay with confessing that God is someone who is more upset about injustice than anyone else? Are we comfortable saying that God is more heartbroken about loss than anyone else? Or are we more comfortable drop-kipping the ball into the world and saying, nope, it's those people over there who have an agenda, who shouldn't be worried about it, who shouldn't be concerned about it. Those are the people who are pursuing justice, and we as the church are here to make sure that we get our daily wages. If God is these things, and these things are what it means to be tov, to be good, to be the highest expression of beauty, of perfection, if we are to be looked at as a church and be called a masterpiece, to say that we are complete, that we are are harmonious, that we are living in a way that is very well done, then we must be a church who sees this list of things that God is and more and say of ourselves, that's what we will live for. We will be a people who go out into the world, who talk to people and ask them if they want to come and join us. We'll welcome them into our church building regardless of how long they've been walking with Jesus or have not been. We will reach out into the world and look for the spaces where there are injustice, and instead of saying that's the job of politics, we will be a people who come near to those messes and become an expression of God's goodness, of his mercy, of his love, of his justice, of his generosity. Our world will not see a God who is tov, a God who is good, If in the midst of all of the ups and downs of life, we are a church, and I don't just mean sunrise, but I do include sunrise. If we in the Western world or the world anywhere, if we as followers of Jesus are not responding in these ways, our world will not see a God who is tove through us. So go ahead and close your eyes for a minute just because I think that helps all of us just kind of focus on some thoughts in our minds to become reflective. If closing your eyes doesn't help you do that, then don't close your eyes. We're all different. What are the things that if people were to interact with you, they would say about you is good? Is tov? Are we a people who when we see injustice move toward it so that those who have been mistreated say of us their tov. Are we a people who when we see that folks have been kept off to the side and not been allowed to come close, do we say to those who are off on the edges, I see you and I want you to come closer. 
God, you are extremely good to us. I mean, if we're honest, we know that we are not people who have been enough like you that you look at us and say, okay, you can be my friend. But instead, we are people who have been out on the edges. We are people who have refused to work for you. We are people who do extremely unjust things to other people. And yet you still come close to us. And when we're mindful of these things and who you are, we recognize that we don't deserve any of that. That yeah, we have backs that hurt, we've lost friendships, we've lost jobs, and we can't get all of the answers to life from you. But as Ecclesiastes says, you are right there with us. We believe, as Paul says, that no matter what is going on, that you are working things out for Tov. You are working to make things in this world a masterpiece. To bring us into complete harmony with you and with the world around us. To to make us beautiful. So God, for those of us who are struggling to believe this, I pray that this time is this time when we can recognize your goodness, where we can maybe even ask our family or friends or someone who is here to remind us of your goodness. And for those of us who are convinced of it, we can feel it, we've seen it, we can celebrate it. God, would you loosen our lips, would you move us to communicate your goodness? Would you help us to set aside our own preferences, our desire to put our fingers on the keyboard to make electronic statements and instead move us to putting our hands and our feet and our bodies to work to bring your goodness into a form that brings life. So God, we're going to sing one more song declaring your goodness. As we do that, would you convince us even more? We pray these things in your name. Amen. So this is a time where we do like every week. We're at the end of a service, we sing a song. There's a bucket back there where people can put in a donation if you want to. There's no one in this room who is watching you to see how it is that you're responding because that's not what's important. What's important is that as we stand up and we interact with each other and we go back out into the work world or homeschooling our kids or looking for a job or getting ready to go off to college, that we would somehow take the things that God has shown us, has taught us when we gather together so that we can take those things out into the world with us and show the world around us who the God is that we've become convinced is the greatest thing that's ever happened. So take some time to do that as we sing, as we close our service, and as we hang out together before we go. promises time and time again you have proven you do just what you say though the storms may come and the winds may blow I'll remain steadfast and let my heart learn when you speak a word it will come to pass 
great is your faithfulness. Oh, great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me. My grandpa is one of the people who, to me, has been an expression of God's goodness. <laughs> He's nearing death right now. But all through my life, whenever he has seen me or my cousins, and even the cousins who I could look down my nose at and say, you guys made some really bad choices, whenever he would see any of us, he would wrap his arms around us. He'd say, I love you. He'd say, God bless you. He wasn't with me through all of the days of my life, but I knew that when I was with him, he meant those words. He didn't mean him to just me, somebody who felt like he was doing everything to be a good follower of Jesus. But he also did it <laughs> to my cousins, who walked through seasons of life where they pushed God away, where they made choices that many of us would point our fingers at them and judge them for. And that even to those people, my grandpa would wrap his arms around them and he would say, I love you. God bless you. We serve a God who chooses to welcome and embrace anyone he wants to. And he gives to all of us not what we have earned, but what is right. May we see that as tov. And may we in our actions and our words communicate to the people around us, you are loved. God, we love you. <laughs> we want to be like you in a world that confuses us about who it is exactly that you are. You're faithful to us. You are good to us. You are with us. Help us to live these things well so that we can transform this world with your love and your grace. In Christ's name, amen. Can I tag one thing on, Dan, to what you're saying? Yes. I actually want to tag on to Stephanie's announcement from earlier before we release you guys to go and all of you guys watching online too. So next week is our fall kickoff. So we're, as a staff, we're super excited about it. It's two years ago we did something similar where we had all the tables out here in front, all the ministries that um, are a part of Sunrise that uh, are represented here as a way to get, to get connected, pub theology, small groups, um, women's theology, student ministries, all the things. Um, they'll be out here. It's not like you have to come out and sign up for things, but it's just information to sign, uh, you can find out about them. But also... Um, it's, we're back to 10 a.m. next week. Praise the Lord. An extra hour to sleep in. Uh, kids Ministries is full on up and running. So families, if you are um, still back at home with your kids running around, Kids Ministries will be up and running full on for that. And um, we'll have some raffle and prizes next week as well during the service. And we have some fun things to unveil visually 
out in the lobby for you guys as well. So some exciting things happening out there. So I just want to, we're just super excited about it. So come on out. If you haven't been to church in a while, come back next Sunday, 10 a.m. We'll see you then.